0: This is This Week in Common Sense. I'm Paul Jacob, and I'm here with Tim Verkola, who uh, is the editor. So when I write things during the week about the uh, crazy things that go on in this world, he makes them actually make some sense.
1: Okay, and we talk about those five pieces that you write on this podcast once every
0: week. Is that that what we're supposed to be doing?
1: That's what we're supposed to be doing. (laughs) To the music. <laughs> Did I tell you about the book I bought this last weekend? You bought a book for $6? That's a different book. The, the, okay. interesting, the interesting book I bought this last weekend was that a, you know, some local guy died and, the, and he has a whole warehouse full of stuff that he and his wife collected over the years. So it was just an astounding degree of rummage sale garbage. And most of it was true, nothing that any rational person would want. However, there were canisters. And I I, I probably got about seven or eight things in my box. And she says, yeah, for $5 for the whole thing. And that includes some really nice kitchen canisters, you know, the kind of things that hold things securely. And I I needed some. We're about ready to uh, have a, a bad food shortage. So we need as many canisters as we can. In fact, maybe we should begin the podcast right here. (laughs) <laughs> People should go get canisters and start holding food because it's going to get bad, probably. And even the President of the United States admits that, that we're going to have food shortages. We've never talked about food shortages from the government all our life. The last time
0: anybody talked about food shortages was Lyndon LaRouche. Do you remember Lyndon well, LaRouche?
1: Well, I certainly remember him. I didn't remember, remember him
0: talking about that. Yes, he had he had commercials that that they had pictures of grocery stores that the, showed the food like just disappearing off the poof, you know, it's gone. And I thought, I don't think anyone's going to quite believe that, you know, but that's what he was predicting.
1: Now, he was basically a technocratic socialist, is that kind of a fascist?
0: Technocratic socialist who maybe was also had a little criminal element, because uh, I, I think they ended up uh, he went to prison for scamming people on credit cards and stuff. Okay. Which, well, regardless uh, of your politics, is a bad thing to do.
1: That's, that's true. Uh, but, you know, uh, Trudeau basically <laughs> just shut down people's uh, a, a bank accounts. That's entirely normal. That's anyway. The, the, the future. I was just telling you that, that uh, the book I bought last weekend, which was in the, in the box of goods for, bought for, that they had said, yeah, $5, was this big hardback book. And he um, and says, I've got to give you $10 for it. That was to assuage my, con- uh, my uh, conscience, because there's a possibility that it's worth over $1,000. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a possibility. <clears throat> the only thing like it I've seen uh, you know, in its quality. What's,
0: uh, what's the book?
1: It's a book by Manly P. Hall. It's, just, it's, 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 it's the encyclopedic. Oh, it's, it's a long title.
0: Why would it be worth so much?
1: Because the people who like that kind of thing really like that kind of thing. It's beautifully illustrated. It's printed in like was it nineteen twenty-eight or nineteen thirty or something. During that period in America, some of the very best books began using some really nice typeface, and the paper is really high quality. So I may have a really expensive book that I might be selling it pretty soon.
0: I am regularly told, as we've discussed before, that I should be getting rid of my books, that I have too many books. Uh, I know I haven't read, I may own too many books, I haven't read too many books, I know that. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's like, we're gonna get to a point, it seems like in the future in which people getting a book is gonna, I mean, books I would think will get more expensive because they get rarer and especially old books. And I, I picked up some books uh, from somebody who had to get rid of a bunch of books. And it was one of those same situations. Well, it wasn't that I was getting books worth thousands of dollars or anything, but it was but, it, you know, you felt bad that you were, you know, getting all these books. I was getting all these books at, at you know, a dollar a book or something. And I I've probably spent a one hundred, two hundred dollars, uh, but I got all these wonderful books and, and you know, things that that were Published in 1887, and you know, just just and the the way they're made, and and you think in 20, 50, 100 years, will there be people who have books and bookshelves? Well, chances are not many. Um, and I'm always told we need to get rid of them, but I would think they'd be kind of valuable. And uh, you know, I mean, not all books, obviously, if they're waterlogged paperback of you know some some uh romance novel or something uh i'll put down something i don't read Uh, (laughs) but i mean if it's a if it's a a bound you know first edition of some great novel i would think and, and in good shape i would think having that on a bookshelf would be uh would be as neat in the future or neater than it already is
1: that's certainly true and I like I prefer to read a physical book to an e-book, though I have thousands of e-books and so forth. But if what I think could happen does happen, we're going to want our books in physical form because uh, the electromagnetic God. pulse let's get to yeah. destroy civilization. I'm going to be out here in the woods reading books while the rest of you are, uh, I don't know, killing each other in the cities is what I what I gather. Uh, so... Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder what suburbia would be like. But, well... As we contemplate the future, let's let's uh, embrace the present and at least recognize where we are. And I want to start this week with up to date in Kansas City, because where we are is that we constantly complain about the privileged we, the great societal we. Uh, we complain about the privileged. Uh, the poor are held back. Everybody's prevented from doing what they want to do by this patriarchal, terrible, you know, capitalistic society. Uh, but what seems to happen again and again, often by people who make all these complaints, is that they're for a system in which you subsidize big business, and they get a, a leg up and all kinds of benefits at at sort of everybody else's expense, because if they're not paying the taxes, if they're getting all kinds of subsidies, somebody's paying for it and it's the businesses that already exist there. This particular story is about Kansas City and basically creating a thing for Facebook that would uh, be a a huge subsidy for Facebook. And Facebook's talking about bringing lots of jobs. And so, you know, boy, that'll uh, that'll be great. But what about the people who are already producing jobs in Kansas City? Are they getting some subsidy? And don't we live in a society in which there's equal protection of the laws? And some people aren't supposed to get something that somebody else doesn't get just because some politician who's got power and control over the checkbook uh, that really belongs to us all says so? I mean, this is its the worst sort of thing that people on the right on the conservative side on the free market side believe in enterprise and entrepreneurship and and the the, you know american capitalism they don't believe in all these subsidies where government's helping you know big corporations to get extra benefits and the the folks on the left who complain? And I'm not talking about politicians because politicians on both sides seem to love this stuff. But folks on the left, the Ralph Naders of this world, uh, and and now that you know he hurt the Democrats' feelings and other Democrats, not just Ralph Nader, uh, they the, the Democrats don't like him so much anymore. But that whole view of hey, let's not let big corporations just run all over us. That seems to be across the board the way regular folks think. And yet we don't ever seem to win on that issue because the politicians and the insiders of all persuasions seem to think it's a really good idea to let insiders and politicians of all persuasions hand out a bunch of money. Because that makes it to where they're the folks with the power. Years ago, uh, I grew up in Arkansas, and years ago, their legislature bunch of bunch of them went to prison. Um, in fact, the the main guy who led the charge to weaken term limits in Arkansas, uh, something that still needs to be corrected, uh, and to destroy so much of the initiative process there, something that still. Uh, my group, uh, Citizens in Charge and, and Liberty Initiative Fund, two groups I work with, uh, are, are suing the state of Arkansas over their initiative referendum. But um, but these, uh, one was a senator, others were representatives. Uh, they had a, a system, it was the GIF, uh, General Improvement Funds. And they had it designed so that legislators kind of like congressmen in Washington with earmarks, got to hand these things out just because they would know how to help the community just best. And so they would hand these things out. And of course, they're handing out hundreds of thousands of dollars to people and they're getting kickbacks. And, and you know we know how this works. There's no reason to even be surprised. I mean, there's gonna be corruption in anything. It's the human condition. That's not surprising, but this sort of let's just let politicians decide who's going to win and who's going to lose. It's not capitalism. It's not the free market. It's not fair. It's designed to help the rich at the extent of uh, at the expense of the poor, and 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 I'm not talking about the rich who go out there and work and and earn their own way. I'm talking about the rich who don't do that and instead, which is most of most of the rich people in this society are rich because they work their butt off and they're smart and they're focused and they gave people value. Um, but the the very people who are rich for none of those reasons, but because they knew somebody, you know, and the, the folks who drop off laptops and they'll come back and pick them up. You know, these types of people, these should not be the winners in society. And what happened with in Kansas City with all the subsidies that a conservative legislature, a conservative Republican legislature in Missouri is giving to Facebook. And as a, a good friend of mine in uh, in Missouri once told me, Paul, you have to understand that the Missouri legislature was a lot more Republican before they became so Republican. And what he meant by that is, when they still had to compete and, and compete with the Democrats and it was competitive in the legislature to pass things, they had to be on their game and they had to to win in those districts. They had to be, you know, real conservatives. As they become the majority in such huge numbers, they get fat and lazy and, uh, and don't have to listen to the voters. And it's funny, politicians don't listen to voters when they don't have to. Kind of like kids don't listen to parents when they don't have to. Spouses sometimes don't listen to the other one if they don't feel like they have to. And it's good when people listen. I find that, that that's the case. So anyway, that was, uh, that was Mondays. And then I, and I don't know if you have any uh, words of wisdom on that, Tim.
1: It's just another development deal, right? I mean, it's one of those yeah. things. That, and, and one of the things we didn't mention, because I don't know if it was in any of the articles, to what extent there was any uh, condemnation of property to get the space worked up, or right. not. but I bet there was.
0: I don't know if there was eminent domain, uh, but it was it was some property that kind of was in the control of a, a uh, economic development corp, and you know that that it wasn't donated, so so the government either bought it or took it or bought it and took it probably at some point but you know it's it it makes me want to jump right to Thursday what a relief which was about uh the giving away all the relief funds because of COVID we had to send money willy-nilly all over the country and lo and behold Some of it went to people who filled out all these different forms, millions of forms online, who were fraudulent. And some of it went to certain corporate, like, like, you know, throughout the whole time we'd hear some corporation got it. You thought, well, you know, they've got to to pay a payroll too. If if this really belongs to everyone who has to make a payroll, well, there's a lot of payrolls in America, thank goodness. And and, uh, in looking at, at nonprofits, I had people tell me, Paul, you should, you should file something to, to try to get money on that. And, um, and I thought, no, Paul, you should not file something to try to get money on that. I pushed something on Facebook about, you know, we all think of, of government as mommy and daddy. And it seems like we'd be better off to think of it as a child in the sense that if it's taking care of us and we can just float all day and just take, 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 what what happens in the end? And, of course, if we think of it as our child, well, now all of a sudden we have to be concerned about what's going to happen. So giving away all day isn't a good thing because, you know what, that's not sustainable. It's not just Joe Biden. Trump did the same thing. Nobody in Congress ever said boo except maybe a few exceptions. I'm sure Rand Paul said boo more than a few times. And and uh, I think Tom Massey was a, a terrible, evil person because he voted, I think he was the only congressman to vote against one of the relief packages. Uh, it always, you know, when I think of relief packages, I always think of Mr. Smith goes to Washington because there's that great there's that great, you know, speech, and and uh, someone says, "Are you going to keep relief from the uh, uh, from the country?" And let me see if I can recite it. Um, it's something. Now I had it on the tip of my tongue. Now I'm not going to be able to do it. But uh, oh, the, the people of my state want permanent relief from crooked men riding their backs. That's what Jimmy Stewart shoots back at the guy. Oh, what a movie. <laughs> "People of my state want permanent relief from crooked men riding their backs." And we might have to make that uh, a thought uh, yeah. with the quotes next week. But, uh, but this is about this is like this is like you think of it being bad, and then you think of it being worse, and then you think of it just being even worse. One of the groups that got a bunch of money to pay off a bunch of debts. Apparently, it ran up a bunch of debts, was the Edward M. Kennedy Institute. And uh they got what five million uh that they put to, to pay off their debts and so on. But it's a it's designed to educate people about the Senate. And it's uh, you know, it's a thing to make. Ted Kennedy uh, household name going into the next century, which I don't think is going to happen. But but interestingly enough, here again, it's something that we are paying for Kennedy's, you know, Kennedy's celebration. And I think Kennedy's worth a bunch of money. I mean shouldn't they pay for their own celebration why why is a poor person working two jobs supposed to pay just a little extra so Ted Kennedy's institute can can get that money I mean that's just it's 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 ridiculous but again we see what happens Wednesday was pucker up and pucker up is basically about the insiders politicians want to be politicians lobbyists in michigan trying to weaken term limits and uh my friend kurt o'keefe a uh, great guy an attorney in detroit uh someone i've known for years very uh funny smart uh great guy he he testified before the board of canvassers concerning uh, what the ballot title would be on this initiative to, to create transparency and and to gut term limits. But they say to help make term limits tougher. And I'll explain that real quick. But but his comment was never have so few applied so much lipstick to such a pig. And the reason it's such a pig is they're pretending that, that this new amendment would make term limits tougher because right now you can serve three terms in the house that's a lifetime limit you can serve two terms in the senate lifetime limit that's a total if you serve it all of 14 years and what they want to change it to is you can serve 12 years in either chamber overall and that will be less 12 is less than 14. I can do that math. And even apparently, even politicians can do that one equation. It's the only equation they can do, but that's one. But the reality, of course, is that what's going to happen if that were to pass? Well, you're going to get elected to the House, not you or me, but somebody's going to, and someone who doesn't deserve it. And, uh, and you're, and you're going to stay for six terms. 12 years, because why risk going somewhere else when you can hold the same seat for 12 years? And in in states that have that 12 year overall, which Oklahoma does and California does, it's exactly what happens. You just stop people, people no longer go from the house to the Senate, unless they're given a red carpet to, to do so. And they serve 12 years in the same seat. So what you're really doing is doubling how long people can serve in the House and increasing it by 50% in the Senate. And of course, what you're also doing, because this is being supported by a former Speaker of the House and other people who've served in the past, is now all those people can come back. And uh, so they're, they're raising, they've already raised a bunch of money. And of course, this is about transparency too. So um, of course, they've, told where they got all that money oh no 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 the donors are unknown who who gave that money and and look i'm not i I don't demand to know everything i'd like to know but it's i i don't have a problem with that as long as they're following the law and they seem to be but it's a joke that it has anything to do with transparency because they're not being transparent and the whole transparency part is they're ordering the legislature to pass financial disclosure laws and then setting up a system to sue the legislature if it doesn't do it right. Now, first off, why not just set up the laws? What, did you not have time to write out the full amendment? <laughs> Was it did did, you, did you somehow you stay up too late and you slept late and then you, you couldn't get it all written? Write the amendment you want. Don't tell the legislature to do it. And of course, what we think is likely to happen is they don't petition to get on the ballot because who wants to sign a petition if they know what this is actually for? And they get the legislature to put it on the ballot and pretend with them that it's all one big happy lobbyist <laughs> legislator family, that this is transparency, that, oh, we are, we are keeping ourselves you know really good and, and, and helping make term limits tougher. What hogwash. The thing is, no surprise. Nobody's surprised by this. It's what we have politicians that we're surprised when they represent us. Not when they don't represent us. That's the that's the par for the course.
1: So do you think Michigan, Michiganders? Is that what they're called? Michiganers? Michiganders? Michiganders. Michiganders you know, yes. you think that they're gonna see through this ruse?
0: Yes. Yes, I I have a feeling it won't make the ballot, but if it makes the ballot, as long as people hear about it, it will go down in flames. Um, Now, if they don't, if if nobody spent a nickel and it goes to the ballot and people walk in and they read the ballot title, well, they're not going to know really, it just says it changes term limits, doesn't really say how. But that will that will be a lot of a lot of uh antenna will uh, go up on that one, but it's also gonna be talking about transparency and financial disclosure and the one place that they uh uh in Arkansas where they were able to weaken the limit the ballot title there and they won narrowly because we tried to get the word out but it was a very tough election uh with so much spending on Senate races and others to get the message out but uh but they had a ballot title that didn't mention anything but establishing term limits, even though they were dramatically weakening them. And it also said that they were prohibiting lobbyists from giving money to legislators. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you almost don't read past that. That's a yes. Except of course it didn't really do that. And in Arkansas, the way the rules work is if it's a citizen initiative, you have to tell people what it's about. But if it's a legislative referral, you can lie all you want. Just lie any way you want. That's the law. So <laughs> at least with their Supreme Court, that's the law.
1: Right. So to me, the way to fight this kind of thing would be to have uh, in the elections for the positions in the, the, the House and Senate, uh, the state House and Senate, uh, to have campaigns using this as an issue to call the people who supported it liars uh, to to go all the way and attack the issue and to attack the people who supported it uh, in 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 the contest with the elections now that that would be the way i would do it if i were uh trying to stop this initiative but does that not happen
0: it doesn't it doesn't um the problem is you can't yeah i mean Term limits movement, which, you know, has raised a ton of money over the years, but can't go after every every bad politician because they couldn't possibly afford it. And oftentimes when term limits or or the initiative process is being gutted by some legislature, the votes are 90 percent in favor. So you'd have a lot of people to go after. Now, in terms of politicians going after term limits and then getting hurt. You got Tom Foley, the Speaker of the House, who was defeated for re-election after he sued to overturn term limits in his home state of Washington. You had other committee chairmen knocked out. You've had all kinds of people whose careers have taken a a nosedive because they were bad on term limits. Uh, And people uh, like Mike Huckabee, the former governor of Arkansas, ran for president, had a pretty good career. He was when he got elected, he was in a Democratic state still winning as a Republican, but term limits is one of the issues that he used effectively. And he was very good on the issue. So uh, uh, term limit movement didn't mind it because he didn't, he wasn't a liar. Uh, <laughs> but but it—it it is tough also because the battles come over and over. People, good people who like term limits, good people who are good people go into a legislature and the dynamics are everybody loves you all of a sudden you're the most important person ever. And, and they pretty quickly think, well, you know, termless made sense until I realized how powerful and important and wonderful people serving an office are. And really, I don't know that the state can go on without me. I didn't know it before. And, and that's the sort of dynamics. So it's like, you're, you're fighting it so often it's uh, but it, it is important to, um, you know, to make people pay a price when they're when they're they behave badly. and politicians, you know, there's a lot of prices that should be paid. Speaking of paying a price, let's jump to fight or flight fact check because uh, we we really haven't talked much about Ukraine. I mean, we've talked about it, Um, we've talked about some on the podcast, obviously, but in, in scripts and in commentaries, we've mentioned it, but I I don't know that we've gone into any deep thing. And, and, and really this commentary at this is commonsense.org fight or flight fact check is not about Ukraine. It's about the United States of America. And it's about a question was asked in a poll. If, you were facing the same situation as an American that the people in Ukraine are facing, would you stay and fight or would you flee? Would you, would you leave the country? And, uh, and of course, you know, one thing that people should remember is if you look at men and women, they answer this differently. Apparently there's, there's some you know, gender sex thing going on where different people see different roles and in Ukraine, of course, you've, you've got a lot of women and children who have left the, the country and a lot of men who have stayed to fight. And of course, in this poll, men were you know, much more saying they would stay than women. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And yet, at the same time, the real, the real stark number in this poll uh, which was billed as as it was a poll that uh Qu- I say this all the time, but but I'm not gonna be able to say it. But uh uh polling company quit quin
1: I've never heard it pronounced.
0: Oh, I, mean, I know how to pronounce it, except if I have to pronounce it and then I don't know
1: Is it Quidapia? Yes, Qu-
0: that's what it is. That's okay. what it
1: is. Yes, I've never heard it pronounced before.
0: Yes. But uh I'll have to say it five or six times tonight before I go to bed, uh, <laughs> but but uh, there, the, you know, this was presented in Newsweek as a vast majority of Americans would stay and fight, and so on and so on. But when you broke it down along partisan lines, it was pretty stark that uh, Republicans, sixty-eight percent of Republicans, would stay and fight. And 40% of Democrats would stay and fight. And so that was a, you know, that's a majority would leave 52%. And, um, and you, you kind of, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's, I, I wouldn't want to be, I, w- I would want to be on the Republican side. Independents were almost as high as Republicans in terms of, of staying and fighting And uh, and so you know because it seems to me that it's worth staying and fighting for, Um, uh, and plus you know where are you going to go? It's really wet if you go east or west. But then Newsweek comes back literally weeks later, a couple weeks later, and does a fact check. Now they don't fact check their own story, which they should have because way that they might have realized how ridiculous their fact check was, if they would have fact checked their own story, because their own story said almost exactly what this one meme that was out there. I think it was some gun rights group on Facebook or something, but they had a meme out there that said 60% of Democrats, you know, would leave the would flee the country if it were attacked. And of course, that's not true because in this poll, it was 52%. There was 8% that was undecided. 40% said they'd stay. Now, if they said 60% wouldn't stay and fight, yeah, you still got the 8% undecided. So the fact check could have been very technical. And You notice they pull they don't pull out the real number and say whether it's real or not. They pull out something's false, even though it's very close to the real number. Like this, why do we want to fact check some post of some group we don't even know of on Facebook? Why wouldn't they take somebody who, who had a more authoritative position and, and attack that? I think they attacked this so they could say it's false, even though it hints at something that is very true, according to this poll. But so you could, after that, just say, look, it was 52 percent who said they'd leave, not 60. It's wrong. So the fact check is that's a false statement. But then, as I said in the piece, case closed. Except then they didn't close the case. They kept going because they didn't like the implication that somehow Democrats as a collective group, and let's face it, if you're sitting next to some Democrat and you say you're, so, you're a coward, he may punch you in the mouth to beat the grab out of you because he may not be a coward at all. So let's not, you know, let's not extrapolate, but um, but the reality is they didn't like the implication. So instead of actually being an objective fact checker, they wanted to go further, and they suggested that this really maybe they didn't understand, maybe they didn't quite understand. They thought that well, it wouldn't be very likely that the U.S. wouldn't be able to fight, or I mean, they had all these kind of cockamamie. Uh, Oh, maybe they misunderstood. And to buttress that point, they pointed to another question in the poll that said, if Putin goes beyond Ukraine and attacks a NATO country, should the US and NATO respond militarily? And 88% of Democrats said yes. I believe it was 82 or 81% of uh uh is it in there? I think it is actually now that I think of it. Oh, I passed it here. Uh Republicans were 82%. 82%. I was right. Why would I ever check? I'm always yeah. right. Uh anyway, and but their their point was see the Democrats are in favor of this, so they must have misunderstood the other question. And I thought, wait a second, you misunderstand the whole shebang, because these are two very different questions. One is, should somebody else way far away go to war? And the answer is yes. And the other question is, right here at home, you were threatened. Will you defend yourself and your country? And the answer was no at least the majority of Democrats in that poll. And again, it's one poll. The point of this commentary was not to say, Democrats don't love America and so on and so on. But I don't mind that it's out there that this is the reality of how people responded to this one question, because it is the reality of how they responded. There's no argument that this this is a very reputable pollster. Um, and the other thing is to realize how completely jaundiced these fact-check operations are. I mean, it, it, we need fact-checkers of the fact-checkers more than just the regular stuff that we hear every day. I mean, it's the most just completely bollocks up, you know, garbage. I just almost any time I see a fact-check, I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, this is so stupid.
1: Well, you know the old line the old the old saying uh how many facts could fact checkers check if fact checkers could check facts
0: (laughs) i'm glad you said that and not me it was not easy (laughs) it was when i started
1: it i was more confident
0: than when i was going through it (laughs) that's that's the way i was on quini epic or Quinepia. (laughs) i have said that successfully in a past life but uh so our final uh, commentary this week was uh, we hear a rumble. And uh, first of all, this isn't news to the people listening to this podcast because our podcast is on rumble, something that we pointed out to people. They can get our podcast on rumble. But it's just so hopeful. It came out that uh, rumble has, has really increased in, in terms of uh, traffic uh, uh, Dan Bongino uh, is was on uh, who's kind of taken Russia's place at least on the stations around here, um, and uh, and certainly well known person being on Fox from time to time and that's that sort of thing and and uh, he was he had nine hundred thousand folks on YouTube who were subscribers and and of course. He ran into some problems with YouTube because he talked about COVID-19 and other things like that, and, uh, and not the way that the censors at YouTube wanted him to, apparently. He goes over to Rumble, and now he's got 2 million subscribers at Rumble. So the, the scary thing about the social media censorship has been the degree to which Facebook and YouTube and Google dominate parts of the internet and of social media to see that that domination having been abused enormously is starting to crack is about the best thing uh, i can i can think of in in recent times
1: my only problem with rumble and uh, rockfin which is my actually my favorite alternative video source my only real problem is that they're mainly the interest is mainly political. That's what most of the commentary, that's most of the videos are about. And YouTube's great claim was that it has lots of weird interests. I mean, I listen to synthesizer videos and classical music uh, videos and uh, and philosophy lectures, and there's not a lot of that on these other formats. And that. It's the only reason I haven't just chucked YouTube pretty much out. And I'd like to chuck YouTube out because I, I, I'm kind of bitter about the whole situation. But I'm still watching YouTube videos.
0: Me too. And, and I'm bitter about it. I'd like to chuck them out. I, uh, every Friday, or at least almost every Friday, I post, I was telling you earlier, uh, five songs by five for Friday. And, uh, and I would love to do it off of Rumble. But of course, there's just not the same selection as there is at, at YouTube that has about everything. And of course, I find most of these songs on Spotify, but because not everybody has Spotify, if I post them that way, some people won't be able to listen to them. So it's it's uh, but it it's like a lot of things, um, you know, it the change doesn't always happen overnight, but it is nice to see there's some reordering and and uh, people aren't going to be. Stomped on by by Facebook and youtube forever and and uh and not find alternatives
1: yeah we're not just left to grumble, we have rumble, so That's there we right. are we're we're on there
0: uh and uh that this
1: podcast is on rumble uh, I haven't even been uploading uh recently to YouTube at all, mainly because usually at every episode of our podcast we say something that would infringe on the censors uh, or I think it might you know what I mean. It seems it seems kind of witless to just give them fodder to suppress us. So I don't know. Yeah, though. Now that uh, uh, COVID is over, that is the, the, the right now the panic is over. <laughs> the the, the re- reasons to uh, offend YouTube are less. We don't have I guess we could say something bad about Ukraine or China. China is, a, is, is one of the things that probably have offended YouTube in the past. I mean, you really go yes. off on China a lot. Yes. And I do too, actually. And we've said I've, things that are pretty negative about China.
0: Sure have. Uh, the truth is really negative about <laughs> CCP-run China. Um, and I I do think that uh, I'm not alone in on Facebook when things are posted about China. Even on my personal page, I notice... Um, you know, oftentimes it's days before certain people hit like, as if they didn't see it right away. Whereas other stuff I might post, they see right away. Certain organizations I know of certainly feel like when they post stuff about China that's negative about China, that's critical, they don't get the same kind of likes and the same kind of traffic that they get on other posts. And uh, and I've heard it from so many different people that I you know, and and have kind of felt the same way myself in, in just looking at what's, you know, how many likes, how many shares, what's happening. Of course, I did have the one thing that I, I did on Hong Kong years ago it was, uh, maybe it was uh, 2020, when they had the first uh, uh, anniversary of Tiananmen Square massacre after all the protests and stuff that had gone on for almost a year. And, and uh, uh, I posted something about the vigil because they weren't supposed to hold one and they held one anyway. And uh, I think it got two thousand shares. So some <laughs> some Facebook algorithm sent my thing to like a lot of different people, and then they shared it. and uh, And it was just an article that I repeated, but I I put something to the effect of uh, two of my favorite people uh, uh, that that someone suggested that. Ben Franklin had said, uh, uh, "Where where there is liberty, there is my country," and uh, and Thomas Paine had said, "Where there is not liberty, there is my country," or whatever. And
1: some people used to say, I don't know if I've heard it recently, that that the suppression of ideas on the social media it was just a figment of our imagination. Right? Remember that was a thing. The denial of what's happening <laughs> was a huge element here. And then the thing was, well. It's happening, but it's okay because it's a private company. They can do what they want. That was the next level uh, of of how that went. But I do know that there was a major shift just a few years ago, and it happened even on such a platform as Quora. Uh, Most people probably have never heard of Quora. Yes. But Quora is a site that I used to be on quite a lot because I'd answer questions usually of a philosophical or economics or uh, historical or, you know, a lot of liberty stuff. And uh, I I gave what I think were – my kind of answers, so that it was it was not very popular, but they were some people liked them a lot, but not a lot of people liked them. You know, it was, it was mainly just sort of a, to a few kinds of people, uh, and uh, which is fine. That's what I wanted to do. At quorum. And,
0: and you would think that's what they want is people exactly. coming at it from some different perspectives.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. No, and in 2017 or 2018, I forget which one, I was granted a top quorum, which is some honor they give to people who who get a lot of hits and have you know get respect somehow uh, for that. So they gave me a, a, something and I don't even remember what the award was exactly, but they honored me in a certain way and I got to have a little badge on my page and all that kind of stuff. And immediately after I got it, I mean within months, they started uh, uh, censoring my comments and they started uh, uh, they, they took down one or two of my answers and and they and they stopped the program of Top Corn. Uh, wow. It was a very stark and interesting thing. And, and then almost just like almost days later, Dennis Pratt, who was, I, who was, I think, the best libertarian on Quora.
0: Great guy. Great yeah. guy.
1: And he was, he was just removed. He was just frozen out. Uh, they, 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 you know, they gave him a few warnings and they fiddled around a while and then they just froze him out and he can't answer on Quora. Yeah. And if you ever saw his answers... There is nothing objectionable about him. He is the, one of the nicest people on the, on the planet. He's earnest and he's rational. And he's, and he's empathetic. And he's, he, he does everything you would want in, a, in a an answer, answer on Quora.
0: Except being a communist. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's
1: pretty much it. And I, I occasionally am... What's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to say... I'm occasionally not nice in my judgments. That is, I don't, I, you know, I, I actually say things that are hurt. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm not nasty to people, but I, I, I tell them what that answer is, and, and I'm kind of nasty in a certain way, though I'm, I'm always polite. I was never right, not polite, right, but, right. but
0: when you say you're nasty, it, for people who don't know you, he's not nasty. He's, he's combative, maybe, yeah. but not, and, I've, I've never seen you like make a personal attack. I don't
1: swear online. That's, right. I, don't, I don't go into the ad hominems very much. I mean, I, I sometimes do say this is what this kind of argument serves. And, I, <laughs> and, and that really does piss people off. I mean, I'm not. Yes. I, and, <clears throat> and, and that's one of the reasons I got suppressed, I'm pretty sure in certain. But I never got suppressed like Dennis Pratt. And I think the reason they suppressed Dennis Pratt was for only one reason. He was very good at doing precisely what Cora said they wanted, but that it turns out they didn't really want.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, all of this censorship, if government had no role in it, and we've talked a zillion times about how much money is changing hands and how much political pressure and all the rest, but if government had absolutely no role in it, it would be a frightening development just for the lack of information available in society. It's a dangerous thing when people can't communicate freely. And, and nothing is, I think, just speaks to that like the lab leak theory, conspiracy theory at first, and all the government collusion behind the scenes to pretend that, that was there was no scientific basis. It turns out it was all about money and power and BS, and that big government science is was full of it in the US and in bed with the Chinese scientists who all of which wanted to make money. And, and of course, you, you don't know as much on the, on the Chinese side because they also maybe wanted to stay alive and not be arrested. Um, but there's a, a big article out, uh, 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 Vanity Fair uh, has done a bunch of research with all kinds of documents, a long article uh, but I just finished reading it and uh, probably do something on it next week. But we have done a ton on the lab leak, starting from the very beginning of somebody mentioning it and being attacked for it all the way through. And the reason is not because, oh, we're just fascinated with the origin of, of COVID-19 or that we're into medicine. or It's been obvious from day one that they're unwilling to consider certain options for political, financial, other reasons. The tail is wagging the dog. And you see that it involves the media. It involves you know, the, the medical community that's been controlled and bought by the government. It, the deep state is, I mean, it's, all these things tied together. It's frightening. And it's it's frightening to see the censorship coming down to protect the deep state and corrupt, you know, kind of government uh, medical industrial complex. I mean, this is this is not the way a free society is supposed to function.
1: And I guess on. That note, we should have a, uh, an update on something we've written about in the past. In a, a fair, I think in January, I think we wrote about uh, the case of the Finnish politician who was being prosecuted for hate speech.
0: She had read parts of the Bible, didn't she? I mean, like, uh, case closed. They're letting her live? <laughs> okay, well,
1: actually, they found, her, uh, they found her not guilty. They threw out the yes. whole thing. And yes, that's, a, that's, an that. important, that's an important story. So... Uh, because Yes.
0: And maybe maybe we should do something on that. I sent you... Uh, we hadn't talked about this particular thing, but you had sent the article about that. Yes. I sent you a bunch of articles that I'd found because I first wanted to see, because I hadn't heard it until you sent me that, what the Washington Post say about her. And the Washington Post did report on it. It's a tiny little AP story. In other words, this is not an important story to the Washington Post. They simply ran a little like three or four paragraph story from the associated press but this is someone who faced consequences hate crime because of her religious beliefs and her religious statements that were you know not outrageous and of course had they been outrageous their statements they're not threats she didn't threaten anybody it's like this is we have gotten so crazy There was an article today about, I thought about writing something about this, but I don't know, it it may be too far afield. There's an article today about, uh, they found that pregnant women who are vaccinated with these COVID vaccines are getting COVID in much, much higher numbers than just regular people who are vaccinated. But in saying it, they started the story with pregnant people Blah, 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 blah. And you're thinking, these are the first two words. These are the first two words in a story. So usually, even if you lose focus, you're usually focused for the first two words. And pregnant people, pregnant people? I, I've never met anyone who's pregnant who's not a woman. And again, as you know, it's like it, this this whole why we're trying to have this fight about transgender people, there's no reason for any of this to be a fight, but the idea that that we are going to start pretending that anybody could, could be pregnant, that's not, being insane doesn't help either transgender people or cisgendered people or anybody else. Being insane and denying biology is just, you're not doing anybody any favors. So it's, it's, I just, I think this is craziness to add to the other craziness.
1: I actually came up with a theory. Actually, this is an old theory, and I don't know why I had never written about it before, but uh, I think we know why this is happening. We know why uh, the movement just, you know, for gay rights 10 years ago and for, gay marriage five, six years ago, why it turned into this thing now. And we know why, because it is absurd. Here's the, here's the theory. You want to hear this theory? This, 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 uh, theory. I'm not sure, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, these are all social political notions, right? They're ego transcendent. They help in social cohesion, right? Uh, all religion does, uh, the, 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 it's been shown that even uh, showing a metaphysical idea or a, a great work of art makes people, after they've encountered it, a little more moral, less likely to uh, defect on their neighbors, is the term in, in theory. So that's the real importance of expressing ego-transcended ideas, is that it actually gets people to not behave as a criminal. This is actually really, really important. So we are really, really attuned to signaling uh, ego-transcendent ideas. The problem is is that these are things about loyalty to group. And if you want to get a group to get very, very effective with in-group loyalty, if a group needs to be in-group loyal and need to have a, a passion, if the mob needs to be motivated and controlled, it has to have an idea that really, really works. And common sense ideas don't do that because even your enemies and your opponents accept common-sense truths. So you have to get an absurdity. The best ideas for social cohesion at the nth level, at the highest level of social cohesion in conflict situations, are stupid ones. And that's why this movement had to become stupid, because they were powerful and they saw that their power was being eclipsed, and they, ha- they instinctively know that absurdity is the way to go.
0: That's interesting. And At the start, I was thinking, well, you know, that, that maybe you were kind of saying, look, uh, the, the gay marriage thing was absurd. And I remember um, saying to a friend of mine who was gay uh, and married before it was legal to be gay and married, and uh, that to me, the gay marriage issue was the... Brilliant issue to push gay rights with, because unlike saying that discrimination in employment and other things, where people might say, "Well, how much was that really discrimination?" or maybe you were just a bad employee, and now you're you're using your sexual orientation to get something you shouldn't get, or whatever. And of course, there was always, especially among uh, male homosexuals, there was always this idea that oh they're terribly promiscuous and of course would never want to be married because they just want to have a zillion different partners well it turns out that's not exactly true uh at least not true with with all uh gay men or maybe most gay men and uh, and so marriage was a way to say all we want is what you have and that was so powerful. And and in so many states, I think, where people went and voted and say, no, it should, you know, it's always been between a man and a woman. They're trying to change all kinds of things. And and I understand, I don't, I don't think everyone who had that view was somehow anti-gay, because a lot of people would say, Well, what about you know, civil, you know, civil unions or other things that would allow you to have the same thing? But of course, that was always separate but not really equal, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that was a very powerful issue. And it, and I look at these issues today, like some of the sports stuff, look, I want everybody to be able to compete. Um, And so the idea that somehow transgender person wouldn't be able to compete. Well, I'd say, no, you can compete. You know, maybe you can't, if you're, if you're a transgender woman, meaning a man who's, who's saying, I identify as a woman, maybe you have to keep competing on the men's side, but let's compete. But this idea that, you know, when you start foisting on people, like you say, these absurdities, um, I'm afraid it just, you know, it, it doesn't end well. It doesn't help like so much else. It doesn't help the very people they're pretending they want to help.
1: They're not trying to help them anymore. It's, right. it's, beca- it's become a social signaling device. And, uh, and they're really at a late stage in the evolution of their ideas. And they have to go for absurdity or else they stop being relevant in the way they were relevant to the past. You know, there's, a, there's an element here also with, with the why is racism such now so absurd? I was,
0: I was about to go that same well, place.
1: And, yeah. and the reason the left needs, the left has always needed to be on the side of anti-racism because that they had a plausible case that they were on the right side in the 60s. Uh, and they were, and
0: the at, least, at least largely, yes.
1: For the yeah. most part, yes. Yeah. And, but that's all they have. They have nothing else. All the rest of the things that they wanted, the, all the socialism <laughs> stuff, none right. of that socialism worked out well. Right. They're, they're, even their they're they're helping poverty, the war on poverty stuff, that worked out really badly for them. So they have to keep on grinding at the one thing they were good at, and then they can't do it, though, on common sense grounds anymore, because common sense is something that everybody wants. They have to become absurd, because otherwise they don't fuel their movement, and thus anti-racism is now absurdity. It's it's racism. It's a new form of racism, simply because that's what the, the, you might say it's the memetics of the social contagion. Uh, just why that? Why something? How, how you keep a movement going, especially yeah. if it's if it's running on almost empty. Well, then right. you have to start doing. You know, you throw in the nitroglycerin or something. You know, that's that's what you have to do. And it's absurd.
0: I, I think you got a good point. And I'll tell you the the little the picture just a second ago with the cat's tail yeah. and it coming through <laughs> it was great. You wonder why it's gone to absurdity. I think they are I think it has gone there. And I think you're probably right as to why. And next week we'll we'll deal with you know whatever new absurdities.
1: The thing that I keep on wondering is is, is why can't why is common sense so hard to pitch uh, politically in an organized way? And that might be the reason why it's a little bit harder. Is that well everybody's kind of for it, so you don't need to be do it at fever pitch. It's just reasonable. So yeah, we're going to do it. That's why it's better in initiative and referendum format than it is in party politics. Because party politics is tribal, and tribalism needs the absurdity. Whereas, yeah. And so that's I think that's one of the problems that the, the, the common sense side has, is that uh, if you have partisan politics, it's going to be harder to push common sense than it is in a nonpartisan way.
0: Common sense is hard, but we're not giving up on it. We're staying on the common sense side, Tim. We've got to.
1: Well, I don't see how you can be against reason i I just i just don't get it you know especially the obvious and that's the thing that uh, that's so weird about the current space in wokeianity with the woke people (laughs) is that they're pushing absurdities they're pushing things that are obviously not true you know yeah if you if you de-pants leah thompson or whatever thomas leah thomas if,
0: and let's not then and, and for the record, let's not do that. But <laughs>
1: the obvious would become quite obvious, and uh, and that's that's the interesting thing is that some people are driven by their desire to be part of a really really fanatical movement to absurdity, and I think it's a really strong thing in the human soul, and it's there programmed by millions <laughs> of years of evolution, and I, and I don't and the only thing we can do I think is 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 be as reasonable as we can and to remind people of the context of why they're going crazy.
0: And I think also something that should be said here is not that I have any great, you know, knowledge of transgender people, but I know some and I have never met a transgender person who fits the stereotype of the woke liberal, who believes that you know that everything the whole society should be turned upside down because there's some slight against transgender people or or what have you that they're they're real people and and whatever whether whether we think this you know what they're going through is is something that boy that's something people go through or whether we think that they have you know a, a screw loose or whatever we think of them they're not the political pleaders that are pushing this issue. They're real people who might want to live their life a, a way that some people don't understand. But hey, that's the, the problem is not people living their life in some new, free, independent way. It's a bunch of woke idiots trying to force everyone else to live their lives in ways they don't want to live
1: also to say untruths to actually say two plus two equals five that's the thing is that that's what they're demanding and that's actually kind of where i got to
0: to pretend that people have children and birth them you know it's just that's not how it works and and so it's a problem it's a real problem but we better go because uh people people have been waiting their families we haven't eaten in hours (laughs) <laughs>
1: there you are. And my and my cat apparently wants me to do something.
0: There you go.